Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download the Zion Clear Lake app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. Jennifer. This is Kate. And I'm John. How's everybody doing today? Good. Good. Yeah, can you believe we're already like middle of July? Or like you middle guys. of summer. Don't say it. I'm... Don't say it. We're more than halfway through the year already. Slew. Stop. Are you glad about that or like that? Is it that caught up sad? to me. Like I, oh, I'm, at, I'm excited and, and I grieve the ending of the season, but I celebrate the beginning of a new creation of fall. So fall's my favorite that was time. Very churchy. So. <laughs> that was, that was hey, hey, church is my whole life. I love that. That's true. I, I've been talking and thinking and feeling and looking into a lot of things about grieving in the spirit. And yeah. so that's why I use that word. Like you can grieve Ooh. a season and still celebrate. Yeah, I like thing. that. Yeah. It's a good ideal to to strive for. I don't know that I'm quite there yet. <laughs> Come along, my but, friend. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Come along, Pond. Hey, I, so- I, I do like the summer just as a season, um, but the the ministry gets a little bit more difficult just because of the setup. Worship team over here set up and tear down every single yeah. week is, is kind of tricky. It kind of gives you an idea of what it's like when you do church in a box. Mm. Yeah. So like when I, I've done church planting where we had to, mm. setting up church every week is not... Not bueno. Some people really like it and they think it's how churches should be so that you don't have a building. But I'll tell you, there's something about not having to do set up and tear down every week. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Kate, I'm looking at your shirt, Celebrate Recovery. And it got me thinking. Okay. So we're in the spiritual warfare series. This is how I fight, right? And if there was one place that I would say probably prepares people the best to fight in community at Celebrate Recovery, how are things going? Okay, there was a really, really cool testimony two weeks ago. Last week was a great lesson. Um, I really enjoy that season that we're in for Celebrate Recovery. We're talking about this making a moral and searching inventory, or honest and searching moral inventory, where you kind of go through your entire life, good and bad. That's the lesson. But we had a really good testimony the week before that. It was a doctor, and he was a felon and had been over prescribing and overusing the pharmaceuticals wow. right about the peak of the opiate crisis that's you know all over america right now so okay um, so can i ask just for yeah. clarification was he at celebrate recovery or was it a video testimony? it was a video testimony okay, i'm okay. so sorry yes yeah. it wasn't a live testimony it was a video one uh like we have a list of them that are great on the cr website that jennifer plugs in for us um and anyway he was talking about he's very he was a doctor, owned his own practice and things like that. And like serious fall from grace. And as he was recovering and he was doing these part-time jobs, he still loved looking at God as the great physician. And one of the things he said was the church is supposed to be a hospital. And if the church is the hospital, think of CR as the ER. And I was like, yes, yes Jesus, that yes. That was really yeah. great. And it was like, it's like so, urgent care. Yeah, like we're in triage. Like you are on the ground. You're looking for like a mission field right in your back door. That's CR right now. So how long have you guys been involved in CR? I've, I've, I've not been through a whole thing. And part of it is just timing wise with other things. But I love the fact that you both are involved. How long have you been? A actually? little over a year have I been serving. Okay. How about yeah, you, Jennifer? Probably same. So, and I don't really serve every week. I just more like 
administratively, administrate and leave yeah. the team. And, yeah. And John, you've been, you've been, did I just have John going? Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. You've been helping, right? Well, you've been, I don't care. You've been yeah. serving, yeah. I don't care. He says, I love uh, it. I guess, I, I have not really been serving. I've more been going, actually oh, okay. attending it. Because Sorry, I didn't mean to out you. I thought you were serving. So no. I just broke no, confidentiality no. and see you. No, it's <laughs> not intentional. Things got awkward. I mean, I mean. <laughs> What's this? Awkward turtle. You know, no. the thing is, it's like, okay, I'm going to let you talk, but I just want to <laughs> put this out there to the world. I'm going to let you finish. Everybody means it. CR. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, like, that's, that's yeah. my mindset is like Jason said, oh, you outed me going to CR. I don't care. That's the whole point. Like going to CR has, is one of those things that initially I was like, oh, that's a cool ministry. I'm, I'm glad it works for certain sure. people. It's like, I'm certain people. I'm a certain I'm person. I'm certain people. <laughs> but I never, and you know what? I'm certain people too. <laughs> but I never, I never got to go to it just because of the timing. <clears throat> I'm sure like sure. with yeah. you, Jason, it's working in a church and having a church event is sometimes difficult to get to everything. But now during the summer, the schedule is a little bit more open so I can actually go and it's been really good. So I also wanted to point out, John, I know everybody, you might be shocked to know this, but John is wearing an inspiration point. Yeah, you can't see over. it. Where's I, I that do. from? Well, have you ever have you ever worked at a camp, John? This is an ongoing joke that a has been known bit. for four years now because John, I think the only shirts John owns our Inspiration Point and some Zion gear. Shout out to Inspiration Point Christian Camp and Retreat Center. Uh, Link in the bot. You are like the, literally a walking advertisement the yeah. for them. Yep. Amen. Yep. So, you, you would be my perfect uh, embodiment of a camp counselor. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. totally. Yeah. You, in, in the best way. Yes. Absolutely. I still have the look and I refuse to change it. <laughs> I love you for it. <laughs> Backpacks, so, cargo shorts. The cargo. Yeah. Uh, well, I hate that part. <laughs> so, so here's here's why I was thinking about story recovery. Okay. So, you know, we've been talking about uh, this is how I fight, and and one of the things, and I was just texting this with a friend of mine who sends me encouraging prayers regularly. Um, Trisha McGrath, I don't, I'm such a prayer warrior. Yeah. And uh, she had she had raised she had said you know giving some areas of prayer and, and specifically I wanted to make sure she, that I didn't feel alone. And, and she goes, just know you're not alone. And I actually, I don't struggle with feeling lonely. What I struggle with, and this is what I told her is I said, I'm, I'm feeling distracted mm. and I'm trying to keep my attention and affection on Jesus. And for whatever reason, I started thinking about, you know, I think one of the benefits of celebrate recovery and, and I think all recovery programs have opportunities for great healing, whether it be 12 step or anything else. But I'm so grateful for Silver Recovery because it it makes it the goal is not your recovery. The uh -huh. goal is Jesus. Amen. And and when your goal is recovery, that's a, trust me, that's a better goal than not recovery. Yes. Yeah. But, but it can still be an area of idolatry. That's Amen. right. Now, all of a sudden, we're worshiping our recovery. And Kate, you brought this up about yeah. burnout, right? Yeah. And I have to be really careful. I recently figured out that I was in active burnout about three months ago. So I'm three months in. Keep trucking, guys. If you're out there burning out, like it does get better. And it's a long road. But I have to be really careful that I don't make burn like burnout consumes yeah. my entire life while I was in burnout didn't realize it and now that I'm recovering from it that's still all I think about and it's like no I seek Jesus yeah. I see God and his will his his flourishing for my life and recovery comes and I and I think that's what I appreciate about sober yes. recovery is that um when 
recovery becomes our new idol. Yeah. We're still chasing after something yeah. that is to, to oh, so if, for instance, um, if you have somebody who's in 12 step and they, uh, you know, let's say they go, they get their nine year chip, 10 year chip, whatever it is. Praise God. And then all of a sudden they mess up mm-hmm. and now they shame spiral yeah. because their identity has been in recovery. The fact that they're a, yeah, recovered. recovered that's right. Recovered. And, and I, again, I'm not by no means am I belaboring or belittling that because, you know, I think I'd rather have somebody who is in recovery period than not doing recovery at all. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to, you want a goal towards. Yeah. You know, I, recovery, I so appreciate but. the fact that celebrate recovery recognizes that ultimately we we need to have a focus other than our own recovery which leads us into this week's this is yeah. how i fight mm. and uh we were talking about um i was listening to a podcast from carrie newhoff if you've never listened to his leadership podcast big shout out to carrie newhoff so appreciated the work and the leaders that he has on there um but he had adam grant and i think he's also had andy crouch who both also talked about it that post-covid um, sociologists and psychologists have been trying to figure out what is this feeling that's going on around, particularly in America, because that's the only, that's our reality. And they were trying to define a word and they said, you know, the problem is it's not depression. Uh, it's not necessarily anxiety, though those are, are part of it. Uh, they've, they've discovered that the overarching feeling of people in America post-COVID is languishing. Because it, and the idea of languish is, is that you're not moving forward. You're you're not just stuck. There's it's almost like you're you're in the middle of the ocean and you're treading water and yeah, your head's above water, but you're not going anywhere. It gives me the yeah. image of like a, a slime pit. That's what yeah. we were talking about, like a swamp. Like a you know, I think too, just the word languish, long anguish. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. That's good. I like that. Right? You should write that down. I will. That's long anguish language. It's well, like it takes longer to it, say it. Yeah. And well, it also just back to that muddy or sticky or gooey. There's like kind of a grossness associated with the word. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it, it kind of has an ickiness Squish. to it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Squish, yeah. Well, and, and so this is this is where I got it. So, you know, the last three weeks up until so this is week four. But we've been talking about the enemy's strategies and that Satan, he's smart. Satan's smart. He knows things. He, he doesn't just come right out. He uses tactics and he has arsenal, weapons in his arsenal. And he knows he knows the weaknesses of humanity. And one of our weaknesses is that we long for control. And when we lose control, we languish. We, when we feel like we're out of control, when things aren't about us, human nature, and, and this goes back to the narcissism conversation I think we had last week. All human beings are narcissists to, to an extent. Like it's a spectrum. There's a, a selfishness. Yeah, and then quite frankly, yeah, we need it. Ourselves. Yeah, it's a human quality. And and there's healthy understandings of that. There's a healthy sense where if you never think of yourself, then you don't take care of yourself. Yeah. Like that's not bad. It's when all of a sudden you become the center of your universe. You mm-hmm. become the center of all things. And what happened with COVID is what sociologists and psychologists are realizing is um everything kind of shut down and it forced people like, you know, they talked about the zoom meeting. If I need, if I have one more zoom meeting, you're doing things, you're busy, but not really accomplishing anything. And, and I, I think part of what's happened is, you know, last week we talked about uh, how we fight the scarcity mindset and the scarcity mindset uh, is that we don't have enough. I'm not getting enough. I don't have enough. I'm not enough, but how we, we fight that is not through abundance. It's not seeking more, 
unless that abundance is Jesus, uh, it's contentment. But here's what Satan does, because Satan is smart, he's crafty. What he'll do is he'll twist contentment to where you're not content with Christ, now you're settling and it's moved from contentment to apathy or to languishing. And when we languish in an attempt to get out of that pit, we we make ourselves busier. We find things that seem to give us purpose. And that's how really how, this, how the enemy has moved in a lot of people today is that, you know, and I think I shared this during the message again, because we recorded this before. I, I hope I shared this in the message. <laughs> But I remember when we were in the middle of COVID, people saying, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how busy we were. It's been so nice to have family time. You know what? When this is done, we're not going to we're not gonna do a million different things. We're going to be more intentional about family time. And, I saw that a lot. And, and, or, you know, I, when we couldn't go to church, all of a sudden people were like, man, I can't wait for church to open back up. I miss my community. Mm. And now here we are post-pandemic in the sense that we're not closed down anymore. And people are busier than they were before. And yet, are they really going anywhere? And here's where we went to is I think that what led to that is we settled into a new norm. And the new normal is I'm supposed to be busy. COVID showed me what I was missing. Yeah. Then instead of instead of being content and going, you know what? I don't need to keep on chasing after things. Now we just became busier than we ever were before. And I met, I've now, I have friends who it's like everything they learned in COVID, they just, they had a, a taste of contentment in Christ. And now they're chasing after everything else, busier and busier, yeah. trying to find purpose. I think to like piggyback off your point there and talk, go a little deeper with that, just the idea of being content and abiding, right? And I was, last night, this pre-recorded, last night we had an incredible worship night out at the chapel. Thank you, Jennifer, and all the teams that were there, men's team, women's team, worship team. It was really fun. Um, and Steph Tool, who is on the prayer team, gave a really great message about abiding on John 15 and the gardener, you know, God is the gardener and we abide and produce fruit, good fruit, right? And I think that that, verse that she was sharing struck me so much because I take that. John 15? Yeah, isn't it? 15 mm -hmm. or 14. Yeah, I think it's 15. 15. And he, and, but I take that producing, that that call to go forth and produce fruit, and I go produce, 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 yep. produce, right? And then like, it, now it's about production. It's not about abiding. Or good fruit. Or yeah, good fruit. I don't even care, whatever. It's whatever all about, produces. either way, it doesn't yeah. matter. It's yeah. about production, right. period. It's not about abiding. And when you realize it's about abiding, abiding, that connection, that contentment, you know, and we, we finally got to produce again after COVID. Yeah. And we had forced abiding. <laughs> And you were forced to abide. Yeah, and but now, and I love this because here's what's happened: that that John 15 story is he wants the best fruit. Mm -hmm. Right. We're just settling yes. for any fruit. Right. Right. And, and thinking that, that it's production. And the other thing about it is the pr the pruning of good fruit. Yeah. yeah. There is. I mean, God, there are still things that God cuts back in our life so that yes. it can be better. Just Amen. well, that, that's like, exactly that's it. So God hard. wants the best. But God wants the best. And we yes. settle for good. Yes. We like, we Amen. Like, yes. Amen. Yeah. There's a share that on Sunday. There's a there's a great quote by I'm sure it's I think it's C.S. Lewis. I love C.S. Lewis. And he almost as much as Bob Goff. Yeah, he's he I I'm gonna 
paraphrase it. I just don't remember what exactly what he says, but he's like, we are so easily satisfied. Mm. We, we're like, <laughs> we're like children playing in a, like making mud pies, yeah. having no yeah. idea what is meant by a vacation yes yeah, a vacation at the beach we we have no concept of what that is and we have no idea of anything that's better that could be better that's down the road we just see what we have here and we we settle yeah well and i hear so there's a parable it's a story and my youth pastor told it to me 30 years ago and i still remember it so you have a you have a, a young lady who uh, her mom gave her some fake pearls and I mean, she she wanted these pearls just like her mom. Mom had real pearls, and she wanted real pearls. But the mom's like, I, I can't trust you yet with real pearls because mm. she's a little girl. So she gives her fake pearls. And each night, as the little girl goes to bed, the mom goes to her and says, "Baby, do you love me?" The girl says, "Daddy or mommy, you know I love you. Okay, can I have your pearls?" And the little girl says, "No, no, 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 because those are her pearls." And each night, she keeps on asking, "Can I have your pearls?" "No, no, 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 I I love my pearls." And then finally one night, the little girl says, yes, mommy, I love you. And she hands her pearls. And then the mom gives her a real pearl necklace. She just needed to show that she could handle. But she was so stuck on clinging to the fake things. She was missing out on the ultimate thing. The good things, not the best things. That's right. And, Fun fact, and, uh, Steve shared that in one of his messages not too long that ago. That same story? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that is funny. Um, yeah. So, but, it, but here's the thing is that I think what's happened is what we settle for are things that the world defines as the best yeah. And God is saying they're not. Like the world defines flourishing through achievement, success, building a name, building wealth, and even in the church. So, and not a knock on Dave Ramsey. I think Dave Ramsey and, and I think debt management is really important. But I know people who are so obsessed with debt management that they now all of a sudden they've stopped living and now they've made it all about building wealth. Yeah. And I know that's not Dave Ramsey's intent. I mean, I've listened to him speak and, 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 but. I think this is the thing is we, we take good things we, and we make them the ultimate things and God wants the best for us. And sometimes in order to get the best, and this goes back to the pruning illustration from John 15, the first fruits usually aren't actually the best. And yet that's what God asks for. We always assume the first fruits are the best fruits in the sense of what they produce, but often the first fruits aren't as sweet. And God just says, do you trust me with the first fruits? Stop hoarding the first. Yeah. And God's saying, no, 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 I've got better for you. And doesn't that just go right back to the scarcity or scarcity? Scarcity, yeah. Yeah. Scarcity, I like that because that's well, actually true. It is a scar. Scarcity is, a, it's a, there's the a scar. I sometimes incorrectly say words that I read and it is an insecurity of mine. But you know what it shouldn't be because actually you actually just said Don't something incredibly profound. tell me what should or profound. should not be an insecurity. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> but, I'm not, I'm saying, but I'm saying that that actually was a very profound statement. Is that sure. scarcity actually leaves a scar on us. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't mean to tell you what you yeah. can't be insecure <laughs> about, but I think that actually... And we had the same thing when I, I made the comment about uh, no, you're in, uh, no to Satan and I was supposed to put oh, right. K-N-O-W and yeah. I wrote N-O. <laughs> like a play on words. And we actually need to say no to our enemy just like we need to know our enemy. Nope. And I think sometimes what happens with these mindsets is they actually do scar us. Yeah. They leave us instead of... Or they come from a, from a scar. They come from a place of scar, yeah. Yeah. I love that you were like, don't tell me what I cannot. <laughs> insecure about like, oh, trust me, Jesus does that. <laughs> don't be insecure about that. It's like, okay. <laughs> Better now. This <laughs> like, got real tense and awkward for a very brief moment. John and I are on the ends and we're just uh, watching the, you know, the tennis match happening and 
This is pretty normal, though. So we're good. Well, yeah, so in, in the podcast, that's pretty pretty normal. We do sermon read through. That's that's you two, you and you and Cater. Oh yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And I literally sometimes find myself like my but head. We're just... usually saying the same thing. We're yeah. like building on each other. <laughs> yes. You know that in Jewish culture is a sign of an intriguing and engaging conversation, and it's to be like mm-hmm. it's it's like a time honored tradition. Yes. Well, and plus you and I just know each other so well. Like, oh, you yeah. can communicate that way, and it's totally normal and fine. Totally normal. And for and for real. Reading words in a book and not knowing how to pronounce them, it's awful. It's called yeah. the Old Testament. I hate it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Every read it. name in the Bible. <laughs> and then Moses went down to... <laughs> so one of my professors, no lie, my professor said, if you don't know how to say something, just say it with confidence and make sure you mm-hmm. say it in the same way. They'll believe you. I know. And that's the best thing about, like, oh, if you're it. insecure about something, call it out. And be like, oh, yeah, I'm insecure about it. I did that wrong. I'm, I feel embarrassed. And it's like... It, it takes away the control of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the thing, way better. The thing about the Old Testament, though, is that if you don't know what it is, like there's something, oh, yeah. Your mind will skip over it. Yeah. And so then you skip over it, and you, there could be a significance or there could be something that Lord wants to speak through it. But if you're, if you skip over it because it's a hard word and you don't know how to pronounce it, then you potentially have missed the significance yeah. of it. It's yeah. Con. Sure. That's like, true. Especially with Hebrew names, right? There is so. Because I mean, last time I checked, I don't, I don't speak Hebrew. I right. don't. No, yeah. especially ancient, and especially Hebrew. ancient Hebrew. Yeah. Right. All right. So we totally got that. That's know, a good, good. A good subject. All right. So when we think about how we fight, the enemy wants us to settle, but we, usually we settle because we're languishing. We're just looking for something that gives us purpose, right? Right. And we looked at the story of the Tower of Babel. And in the Tower of Babel, I mean, it's after the fall. Adam and Eve fall. Cain and Abel have their thing. Cain kills Abel. You have Noah's Ark, which again, you know, at some point, I'd love to do a series talking about all all the Bible stories that are really hard to swallow. Yeah. Like Noah's Ark, if you actually read it, man, that is that is a hard, that is a messed up story. Yeah. And yet, when we do when we do Veggie Tales or we do kids books, it's cute. Or yeah, or even do you remember? Uh, okay, I don't know. Flannel graph. I wasn't raised in Sunday school, but we used to always show flannel graph when I was in youth group because they were funny. It was this felt board that Sunday school teachers would tell stories and they would stick this cloth character on it. And I'm like, man, if you really did a veggie tales of like Noah's Ark, like they just have pea soup and you just have peas floating around. No, no, we're in the water. No, (laughs) that's not what it would be. (laughs) Same thing with David and Goliath. Like at the end of it, when David slays the giant cucumber, you make finger sandwiches. Like that's if you were really- Dave and the giant pickle. Yeah. The one. other side of it is that you do have to package things in a way that children- For children, yes. I'm, uh, 100%. The problem is when you have adults who that's yes. the only Bible they know is the Sunday school version. Right, And yeah. then all of a sudden they read and they're like, this is yeah. really messed up. Yeah, you can't you can't really go around <laughs> and be like, oh. I have in kids ministry. And that was one of the things that Derek, when we were talking to someone and he, like this person asked about our kids ministry, they were interviewing for an open position we have. Oh yeah. There. And Derek said, well, something I really appreciate about our kids ministry and our youth ministries is we don't pull punches. We talk about the she bears. And we talk about <laughs> don't make fun of bald people. The, the tent spikes, <laughs> like we go, we do, we we address it. You know, it's God's word, and we package it in an appropriate way. But we, we also don't it. make it something it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and and to to reduce the Bible down to to use a Veggie Tales analogy, uh, throwing slushies at each other. Yeah, 
Shout out to the, my favorite episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm but it's also it's entertaining. It doesn't. Okay, it doesn't has a place. Yeah, That's yeah. True. You, you, growing, but it shouldn't be the only thing, right? No. Growing, growing past that and understanding, like, wow, the Bible isn't exactly like sugarcoating anything. But yeah. but isn't that part of what we the, mm-hmm. the problem that we have is that you have people who've not been taught the hard things in Scripture, yes. and then all of a sudden you go into college. And you read about warfare and you read about tent spikes and Yeah. And, or and, not you experience life and you go, wait, how is how does this fit into how does my this fit into this traumatic, horrible like, and, and Tower of Babel is one of those stories for me that I you know, know the way I was told it, the way I was taught it, and again, at least I was taught it. Okay. So I I wasn't raised in church. I went to church going and starting in junior high, didn't really take my faith seriously, or became a Christian going into high school. But the Tower of Babel for me was one of those stories that it just made God look super insecure. Like humanity gets successful and they start building a tower that's reaching the heaven and God's not going to have that because God gets the glory, not them. And so God confuses their language and forces them and scatters them out. And while there's an element of truth to that, there is that, I mean, that's, that's what the story says. There's more to it going on that I never got introduced to. And that's a lot of when we see scripture. Same thing, uh, Noah's Ark. So for instance, uh, I mean, wiping out an entire an entire civilization. I mean, that's hard. There's children. Yeah. If, if you're really saying that Noah's Ark happened, that means children, babies, pregnant moms, kids, innocent pe- people that we assume innocent were swept up in the flood. Yeah. That's hard stuff. Yeah. And here now we're looking at the story of the Tower Tower of Babel. And again, uh, the way it was shown to me in church, and, and I'll just be honest here, when I talk with non-Christians who were raised in church or who have read parts of the Bible, they're not asking the deeper questions. They're not, they're, they're one, they look at us and go, you literally believe this happened, that we had one language and then it got scattered by God. And, and I do believe in a literal, I believe the Tower of Babel was a real thing. In fact, I would argue that even our understanding of humanity is kind of revealing that we all came from one specific area and spread out. But the point is, is that God gave humanity purpose. Adam and Eve were called to spread the garden out. The garden was a central location in, on the earth somewhere. We don't, we just know it's between the Tigris and the Euphrates. That's all we know. But it wasn't a huge space. That's where the garden was. That's where God dwelt. That was the temple. That was the place where the Lord dwelt with his people. And Adam and Eve's job was to go and spread the garden to cultivate, to bring culture, to bring flourishing into the world around, which means that there wasn't flourishing throughout the world yet. Only in the garden was there thriving. And Adam and Eve had a call. And when sin entered, they lost sight of that. And the first thing you see is at at Cain and Abel, the first story you see is not one of flourishing, but of destruction. You see Cain who kills his brother, Abel, because the Lord chose Abel's sacrifice over his. And then after that, that's Noah's Ark. And then here we are, chapter 11 of Genesis, and you see humanity has once again come back from the brink of death, which there's a whole other conversation about how quickly did humanity spread after if everybody was killed and yet by by the flood, except for Noah and his family. And here we are a few generations later when you've got the Tower of Babel. And they find a valley and they decide to settle. And they say, hey, let's build a city 
let's build a tower. And they ultimately decided to build what's called the ziggurat, which would have been a structure that was believed to reach the heavens. Good word. Ziggurat. Mm. Okay, now here's where it gets interesting. And I didn't get into this on Sunday because we don't have time. But um, it's believed that the reason why it's called Babel is that this was this was actually a reference to the fact that in Babylonian culture, the ziggurat was the primary means. But ultimately, that if you built a ziggurat, the goal of it being the ultimate top was where you could meet the gods. And so the thing is, God told humanity to go out and spread, to multiply. What do they want to do? They don't, they want to spread, but now they want to stop. The problem isn't building the city. The problem isn't even building the temple. The problem is they want to settle. They don't want to keep on, they don't want to continue the mission. So God says, no, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to mess up your languages. I'm going to scatter you so that you'll do what I asked you to do. It forces uh, scattering. Yeah, and so it's not actually about God's insecurity. It's that God wants flourishing for the world, and human nature is to focus on our own flourishing first and neglect the world. And I think, like, what a fun parallel to the COVID feeling of, like, God forced us to surrender there was some control. chaos and yeah. just went to a different direction yeah. and now you know when when god scatters language he forces a dependence yeah. because you don't you, you're literally a spirit of confusion right now you yeah. need to depend on me and i think that the the tower either way shows humanity's idolatry and god's uh, working to fix or that. faithfulness. To, yeah. yeah, to faithfulness. Thank you. I couldn't think of a good word. And, and, so, and, and this is an interesting, so one of the, and, and again, I don't know everybody who listens to this. I know I want to give a shout out to Joni Irwin, one of our faithful yeah. listeners. Love you, Joni. Uh, but I know that there are people who wrestle with scripture and, and is scripture real? Is it true? And I would make an argument. Now, I do believe that the Tower of Babel is a real thing. I believe in a literal Adam and Eve. I believe in creation. Um, However, let's say that there was no Tower of Babel. I think sometimes we get so obsessed with things being factual that we miss the truth. Amen. I was just thinking that. I couldn't think of a way to segue into that. Did it literally happen? Yeah, and and we're like, did it literally happen? And and it's like, does it matter? That's the the whole point of Genesis. And Genesis chapters 1 through, I would actually argue even through 11, is I do believe in a literal Abraham. I think there's evidence that we have Abraham. There's specific areas. But we get so obsessed with wanting to prove facts. And what that does is for a non-Christian or someone who's exploring, now you're asking them to sometimes check out reason and faith when they're not there yet. Sure. I mean, we were just talking about like, it's just one tick off. Are you looking at recovery? Are you looking at God? Are you looking at creation? Are you looking at creator? And then so like, for instance, they they call it biblicism. Biblicism is when we put the Bible above God and we miss the point of what scripture is. The Bible is not God. Amen. The Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by human beings, written through human elements. And and that's why I think it's important that we talk about some of these tough scriptures. Yeah, I agree. And instead of forcing people to say, you must believe in a literal Babel. Oh, yeah. I think we would all agree that the story of Babel is true. Yeah. It speaks truth into the world. It Amen. makes sense of the world. Yes. And, and now when you do that, that allows, that invites people who maybe aren't ready to believe yet to say, well, I can I can believe in the fact that our world is screwed up and that yeah. we tend to focus on our own flourishing instead of the world's. And even to to take that further and go, does God want flourishing? Because now, right, the story has gotten out of the way of the ma- being able to. That's see yes, God. yes. And then you I, don't focus on God looking insecure. Yes. Instead, you look at God being 
a loving divine loving. creator. And, it's like, and, wow, okay. And God sometimes using judgment and using yeah. things that don't make sense to us that spread confusion because he actually cares. So I think about my own children. <laughs> there are things in my life where, with my children where I'll do things and they're so upset with me. I can't believe you did that. Why would you do that? And they don't realize that I'm doing it for their good. Yeah. Kay and I just had this conversation. Really? Literally. They're like smiling at each other and making Kate's like, like hand gestures Kate's like and stuff. Fake died. I fake, like, I fake so died funny. and was resurrected by Holy Spirit power <laughs> over here. It's so true because the thing is, is we do things out of, if we do things out of love, it may not feel like love to the person receiving yeah. it. Yeah, hearing no is so hard. And it's loving when it's when it's right. It's like, could you like, imagine being one of those like ancient people? I just baked this brick myself. I figured yeah. out how to do this. I'm building it up and you come and you knock it down and you scatter me and you made me confused. And now I can't understand Timmy. Like what? <laughs> we were what are you saying, Timmy? Yeah. Well, well, Timmy wouldn't be the name. Yeah, we addressed no. that. His name would be something. I don't know. Yeah, it's exactly. just a whole bunch of Vowels. Yeah. Yeah. Vowels and consonants mixed together that I don't understand. Um, And that would be terribly frustrating. Well, isn't that that the point, though, is lack of communication leads to frustration. However, and and let's go back. Sometimes people struggle with this God loving. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, when I go to the doctor, I don't care if the doctor loves me. I want the doctor's going to take care of me. I don't know that I always have to get people to believe that God loves them. God does. But if I can get them to believe that God cares, mm-hmm. because that's the thing, a doctor cares. He may not love you, may not have yeah. physical affection for you, emotional oh, affection, yeah. but he wants the best for you. Yeah. And I know some people who are struggling going, I don't know that I believe in a God of love. Yeah. Yeah, but look around, would you argue that God cares? Could you, and I've been- um, Does really, that make sense? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I was literally just having a conversation recently about godly compassion. Yes. Of mm-hmm. God's compassion, his mercy his that he has. Mm-hmm is built out of love. And if it's hard to understand love, because we say we love pizza. Well, that's and we the love... thing is that we've watered down the word love. Right. The yeah. word, true love encompasses mercy and yes. justice and caring. and caring and compassion and all those things. Well, and even so, you know, in different languages, they have different words to describe elements of love to help us better. In English yeah. language, we've we don't have that because our language is derived from so many other languages. Yeah. So we have one word, love. But I also use the word affection. Yeah. Um, friendship. Friendship. I mean, that's in Greek. You have phileo, brotherly love. Yeah. You have eros, erotic love. Um, agape, unconditional love. But they all, I mean, we do have different words. But what we've done is we've watered down that word love. Yeah. So now all of a sudden... It's a stumbling block almost. Well, and, and the only way we can discern what you what type of love you're referring to is the context in which you talk yeah. about it, not by the word itself, but everything surrounding it. So when I say I love chocolate and I love my wife, a rational People human go, being is going to go, they're not the same type of love. Yeah. But imagine if we go 500 years in the future and they don't understand our language and now they've got to go, what did Jason mean when he said he loved yes. chocolate? <laughs> Yes. Like he has erotic feelings for chocolates. That's like context. When you read the Bible, though, context is so important of who wrote it and the time they wrote it. And you literally, that is the first understanding of the semantic meaning of a word. We can only tell what a word means by everything around it. The word itself is innocuous without context. Yeah. And the same is true of biblical language. And the same is true of biblical stories. So unless we understand the context... They're speaking in sign language. Come on now. 
You love chocolate. I I'm said, just What's laughing. So funny? I heard I'm just him go, laughing. He snorted it out just of gives, his nose. Gives a whole different relationship to chocolate. Yeah. He really yeah. loves yeah, Jason chocolate. Has erotic it, was, it was the same one. You're like, Jason has erotic. Jason has erotic love for chocolate. Chocolate. I like thought about it and laughed. This is why this is an adults podcast. It's it's so true. I can just picture a child. Mom, what's erotic love for chocolate? We don't need We don't need to have that conversation, Timmy. It's um, so, it's, yeah, it's such a good, so true though. You know, it's yeah, context it's is true. important. And, and this is also the story of why we have to, this is why, okay. So I, I changed my preaching style um, right after Easter and it was intentional. And what we started doing was now, instead of doing a whole bunch of Bible verses, which don't get me wrong, I still think we need Bible and we need to understand our Bible. But I, I started realizing that our people don't know the Bible stories. And so I can quote scriptures at them and support things with scriptures. And I always, I and I mean always, I always try and make sure that whenever I support a statement with scripture that I'm using that scripture in context. You can proof text, yeah, which right. is where you take a scripture out of context to make a point. I try not to do that. I can't say I've never do And it. if you do, you're very good about going back and saying, by the way, this the, was different or whatever. Or there are different correct, views. On, yeah, yeah I, I really try and do that. Yeah. But what I... What I discovered after Easter is that I talked to a lot of people who they don't actually understand the story of the Bible. Mm. And so what I've been what we've been doing really since Easter is we have our theme verse, and then we're taking stories from scripture that help us understand what that verse is talking about. And I'll tell you, here's what's been really cool about it, is I've talked to people who are like, I never heard that story, or I've heard that story, but that's not what I thought it meant. Yeah. And and this is kind of what Jesus did. I mean, this is what yeah, the apostles right. do. It's what Jesus does. Um, and here we go back again, the story of the Tower of Babel. What did the Tower of Babel, what was taking place? They forgot their purpose and mission. Yeah. They were languishing without purpose and mission because they didn't have a relationship with God. And so they did what humans do when they languish. They made purpose. Right. And I mean, they looked busy. I just picture like how much work it takes to build these great break yeah. monuments with ancient and you were you talked about that it's the first sign of civilization civilization, civilization yeah. that they had to figure this all out the hard way they created cement right like, like and, and and actually there's a reason okay so here's a little a little tip when you're reading scripture whenever you see odd information like that just feels weird in there it's in there for a reason the reason why it says they made brick was it's the first sign of culture that we're seeing as a civilization taking place there. God called them to do to create, but they're creating to settle, not to flourish. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we don't really get into this so much on, on Sunday, but it just also goes back to they were creating to make their name known. That's, yeah. They weren't creating to make God's name and, known. And isn't that what we do when, we, when we're languishing, when we're languishing we, feel like we're, we feel like we're not thriving, right. we grasp. We grasp for things that give yeah. us purpose. And what has happened post-COVID, what's happened in the war in Ukraine, what's happened with the financial crisis. I'm seeing people all over the place who are chasing things to make their name great, to make experience, life great, and yet they're settling for second best. I'm not saying those things are bad. A lot of those things are good, but they're not best. You know, you think about, and we keep going back to that scarcity mentality of like when COVID happened, do you remember everyone buying out random things from the grocery stores? Like the toilet paper crisis of 2020? 
Did I tell you? I actually don't think COVID happened. It was big toilet paper. Amen. And then <laughs> and recently, because of the shutdowns of production for um, formula, yeah. and you know, people go into the store when they see that stores have it, and they will buy up anything, not even their normal brand, their recommend, because they're so terrified of running out. Or you had people, and this was the this was the, uh, like appalling when COVID first hit. They were saying we need hand sanitizer. Did you see the guy who bought? He yeah. bought like ten thousand dollars. Gouging hand prices, and then raised the prices wow. on it. Yeah, and then they found out that hand sanitizer did almost nothing against COVID, but he did it out of—I mean, it was a mean spirited. Yeah, I'm going to sure. make a profit. Yeah, and that's essentially what's going on in the Tower of Babel. Yeah. They're they're redefining flourishing. God says flourishing is going out in the world and helping others flourish, bringing bringing the garden into the world. Human nature is when we languish is I need to flourish. Yes, and it's all about me. And it's all about my name and what Man, I want. Man, are we such selfish creatures? Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, let's if we're honest with Scripture, we should always be able to see ourselves in the mm -hmm. in the failures. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite. I just ate the mic. That's one of my favorite ways to. We're a little oh silly God. today. Here we um, are. One of my favorite ways to read Scripture is to just look at it and go, "What do I learn about God? What do I learn about people?" Yeah. Because if you ask those two questions, love God, love others. Yeah. Well, and also you're always going to see an area that the Lord is wanting to speak into about my own life yeah. and about yeah. what I'm wanting, what He's like a shortness or an area where I fall short or where I'm weak or wherever and where I need to grow. And I think that's really beautiful. And when you see that in light of who God is, yeah. Every single time, who who is God? Who, what do I learn about God? What do I learn about people? Who is God? Who are people? Like, well, and this is why when people say that the Bible is a love letter, it's a horrible love letter. Then, yeah, because they'd be like, "Babe, here are all the things wrong with you." Like, that's, that's like imagine Babe. if I wrote a love letter to my wife that just pointed out all of her flaws. Because that's the point of the Bible is not a love letter to humanity. Yeah, it's a little less Nicholas Sparks and a little more like George R. R. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you really I was reading Stephen King. Or Stephen King, yeah. A little less <laughs> Nicholas Sparks, a little more Stephen King. And, 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 but that's the point of it. It is a book about how good God is and how messed up we are. And God and his love and his mercy and compassion still pursues us. Yeah. And when I read scripture through that lens, instead of pointing my finger and going, what a bunch of morons, I can't believe they built a tower. I'm building towers oh, all, yeah. all the time. I'm yeah. thinking about all the bricks that I've been making today. Yes. <laughs> that is, and that is a great, what bricks are you making that God didn't ask you to? Amen. Right? Calm down. What? You're not flourishing. And, and I, think that's, I, I think my sister had message. Did you take up? You took that same topic from that. That's funny. So when we look God's at- God's still teaching. I love it. Well, it, it isn't that. I mean, when we look at what flourishing and God- the Bible defines flourishing so different than the world yeah. does. Like flourishing according to scripture is serving others. Amen. Well, I was even thinking about like John's, well, C.S. Lewis's analogy of like mud pie or vacation. No, no, that was me. <laughs> you know, he wrote a book like, called Mere well, Christianity. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hold, hold on. And, I, and I'm not, I have, I only read four chapters, but I did love that book and I need to finish reading it sometime. But, and I love C.S. Lewis, so I'm not taking it away. And I think there's a point to be made. But I'm, but I'm saying, and you gave an example too, and I don't remember what it was. But the other half of that is like, wonder if the best way to flourish is to make mud pies. Think about how happy children, children are when they're doing that and how, how they connect with nature and how they're free. I mean, yeah. truly free to, you're literally playing with mud. That's about as free as we can be on the other side where you're, you know, if you're a kid and you're like in vacation, 
where everything's supposed to be great, but you're still feeling unsatisfied. What if you get it all? What if you would have built the tower, people? So if you go to third world countries, you still see children playing and laughing. Absolutely. And, and, And this is part of what we, we've mistaken flourishing for success. Yes. Have I achieved? What have I accomplished? And, and, you know, I have, I have several dear friends that we've had conversations about this that without meaning to, we got on this topic of our culture has determined flourishing as success by any means necessary. Yeah. Doesn't oh. matter. Doesn't matter who you hurt. It doesn't matter. It's I got to build my business. I need to, I, 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 It's that, I. that any means necessary. And Jesus defines flourishing as contentment in him, but being discontent for other people's lives. I want more for you. Yeah. And imagine how beautiful that would be if I looked at Jennifer and I said, Jennifer, I want more for you. And if Jennifer looked at me and went, Jason, I want more for you. If I'm content with me, then I can focus on more for you. We should be discontent for other people's lives. Yes. And find contentment in our own. Instead of entitlement. That's right. You step into, um, what were you talking about when we were just talking about, um, like flourishing, Flourishing. bringing flourishing. Yeah. Bring. Well, and, and this is the, it's almost like a, a cultivating. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's Ooh, culture. Word. That's where the word culture comes from is cultivating. Yeah. Like, and that's when a gardening were, That's a gardening. So and, you cultivate flourishing. Yes. yes. And, and if you do it well, you don't just build flowers, you build sheds and you build gazebos. And, yeah. you, and you build, build hospitals. And so <laughs> that's right. People and take care of people. And now here's what we do. If we look at between two trees and, and I by no means made this up, um, but in the garden, you see the beginning of scripture is in the garden. And the very last part of scripture is back in the garden, but the garden is in the middle of the city. The problem wasn't that they built the city. The problem was that they settled. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I'm kind of amazed at how close these two points are of like, we want to build and cultivate and flourish um, because that's our purpose. Because that's our purpose. It's but ingrained in all we've of got we've got the Tower of Babel folks building and cultivating, quote unquote, uh, something that is not good. And I just I, I was just amazed at how how close we are. It's just one one degree off. The the intention is not there, and it made me think about um, why I love the Enneagram so much more than other different personality typing things. Is it's not just about a personality. It's about the intention behind why you do what you why do. Why you do what you do, not mm-hmm. what you do. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, so, you know, we also talked about the weed illustration and that yeah, what right. happens when weeds get in the garden. And here's the danger of social media. Mm. It's false cultivating. Oh, yeah. You're not actually building anything real. You're building an image. I love that quote that you gave of if a weed had a Facebook page, it would be full of selfies that make them look great and everything else around it (laughs) look bad. I said that's the really important part because I don't think we realize when we're doing that, I'm guilty of it, putting things out that make me look great. What does it look like for everything else that isn't me? Yeah. What? And, and, And this is where... This we're now in a time in history because of social media, because of YouTube and stuff like that. You have people who are getting rich on not just a cultivated image, but now a means for people who before never could do it. They can create that image on their own. Before you had to have some level of wealth, some level of skill right. to do it. Everybody's got a brand now, and and now everybody, anybody doesn't matter if you have an education. Doesn't matter anybody can get on and cultivate an image, and if you happen to do it the right way. 
you will build a tower. You will yeah. build a city. You will settle for your own namesake. And you look at, and again, there's some good things. Let's be honest. You can redeem social media. Facebook has. I, I love the fact that Facebook tells me people's birthdays. I love that. I, otherwise, I'm not going to know anybody's birthdays, right? But whether it be Facebook, Instagram, all those things. But what if we were to use those things as a means to help other people flourish yeah. by mm-hmm. pointing out beauty instead of comparison? Where it's, And, you know, now you have all these uh, people who are taking pictures of themselves without makeup, without photo editing. And I, I really do appreciate the value of it because what they're saying is all this image is wrong. But here's my problem with that is that still at the end of the day, there's still no actual connection. I'm still just getting a picture of you. Right. And and I think that's... And still at the end of the day, it's still about you. It's still right. about you. That's right. It's going to be a, a less dressed up, less fancy looking, but it's still... It's still about self, you. It's and it's And now I, I do believe that their intention is they're trying to help Absolutely. other... Absolutely. We, right. we want people to I'm flourish to and that realize message. that... Yeah. I think it's healthy that we're teaching people... Hey, the models that you see, none of that's real. Right. None of that is real. Because so you this, need to hear that. And 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 as a man, okay, I'm going to speak as a man. As a man, because I grew up in a time when all you see were models on Sports Illustrated, you see them on billboards. If I'm not careful, I think that's what every woman should look like. And when they don't, I'm disappointed. And what does that tell women? Women need to act that way. But the same is true for men. I'm supposed to have rock hard abs and you know, and it's it's all across the board. And so while I appreciate the fact that we're telling people none of this is real, even the relationship is still fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still not a real relationship. It is a faux relationship. It's a baseball card relationship. I, I can collect all the baseball cards. Doesn't mean I know the people. And here's my point in all of this. I think if we're not careful, we can cultivate an image of God and authenticity with the Lord with never actually knowing the Lord. Yeah. And instead of how we help people flourish is through relationship. Yeah. I don't help people flourish by posting great things on. Right. No, flourishing happens. If anything, in- that probably causes languishing. And yes. If, if you think about like, they were all on the same page. And sometimes we can be all, even for a good thing, we're all on the same page. Yeah. This is fake stuff. It's none of it's real. That's not what you should be striving for. But they're all on one language. They all had one goal and it felt good. But imagine how much more effort, how much harder they had to put in work to do God's will when they were in confused confusion like no they they couldn't understand each other in order to have a relationship and we don't understand each other if anyone's ever been on like a foreign mission trip and you don't speak that language how hard you work to just share God's love I remember one time I was in Peru fun story I was in Peru and I there was a young kid I love kids he came up to me and I was trying to speak terrible three-year-old Spanish to him not Portuguese. Not Portuguese, Spanish. Peruvian, Peruvian as Yeah, it's, it's so hard. And I and I asked them very poorly, do you know Jesus? And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, right down there. And I was like, <laughs> and the, a girl next to me, this cute young girl that was like helping me, kind of elbowed me, she said, Christos, Christos. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christos. And he's like, oh, okay. Because Jesus is a very common name. <laughs> Who knew? So uh, I had he's when right I was down in, the street. He's yeah. right. He's right he's down like, the street. Oh, yeah, he's right I know his. I know his brother too. You know James. <laughs> so oh, I was sharing. I've shared this story before. Is um, so when I was a youth pastor, we had several students that were deaf who came, and I don't know sign language. Oh. So they were teaching me some sign language, and one of the kids' name was Trent, and I discovered that everybody has a personal sign that they attach to their name. 
So I was doing the sign. Every time I'd see him, I'd do the sign, not realizing that location matters. So for three months, I'd been calling him toilet. Yeah. <laughs> but, I do like that story. But here's what's what's here's my point in that is in relationship, we were able to laugh about the miscommunication. And that's not the point of the story. The point of the story in Tower of Babel is not that they could laugh at miscommunication. No. <laughs> but God accomplished flourishing by causing some distress. Right. And sometimes we need distress to flourish. And so the going back to my language story with Trent and me calling him toilet, that little thing actually it's, led to a deeper connection. Yes. Now it's a connection. And and I think that uh, we're, we're, we're tying things together that might be a little stretched, but I think hopefully people are getting it. I hope so. I no, and so. I think it goes back to your COVID story. And I think it goes back, like, why does God allow and or cause some of these things? Yeah. yeah. Because the ultimate goal is flourishing. Well, and, and yeah, yes, yeah, and, yeah. and even when we look, okay, so the, the early Christian church, and most people may not know this, but the reason why Christianity ended up spreading as quickly as it did was because of a plague. There was a, a plague that entered Rome, and Christianity at that point was a very small outlier religion of Judaism. It was a sect that was called a cult of Judaism, and uh, a lot of Christians were, you know, being thrown into the, the Colosseum for gladiatorial games. People were being executed. Christians, they, people didn't like Christians. This plague enters Rome and all of the priests, all the other religions left. You know who stayed behind? It was the Christians. And the Christians went into cities where people were dying from plague, risking their own life. Christians died caring for others. And that was so overwhelming to people. All of a sudden people started going, that's different. Yeah. And yet here wow. we are in America, we're so afraid of hardship, but what if that's sometimes the opportunity that God uses? If you go to other countries, Christianity flourishes in persecution. Christianity flourishes Amen. when we're wow. not thinking about ourselves. And, and But in order to do that means we have to be uncomfortable. I hate being uncomfortable, right? Yeah. And what if sometimes God makes us uncomfortable so that we can flourish so other people can flourish? All right, so we've been at this for an hour, and I know- That was a good one. This was, was good. We, we, got, we had some fun. We got a little silly at times, but that's good. Hey, um, do me a favor. If you found this helpful, share this with somebody else. I really do. We, we enjoy hearing feedback, and so if there are questions that you have, or maybe there's a, uh, if you have a thought, we'd love for you to share it, and you can uh, share it online on the Facebook page. Um, thank you for tuning in. This is the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. Jennifer. I'm Kate. And I'm John. Have an awesome day, and hopefully, hopefully you'll be there on Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion Clear Lake app. Share this podcast with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of The Breakthrough Breakdown.